0: This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior JU Israel Educator Michael Unterberg, and today joined, as always, by co host and director of JU
1: Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Right, don't right. worry. I don't even know. I can't even speak. Sure. <laughs> at the end of the school year, finish my last <laughs> banquet. I have no idea how I'm doing. Right. I say let's leave that in because I think I cannot explain what it, <laughs> this
0: end of the school year feels like a teacher better than that. Exactly. That's pretty much it. Um, we wanted to talk today about uh, something that caused a little bit of a diplomatic brouhaha, and that was Ambassador Friedman's statement that. Israel has the right to annex parts of the West Bank. It was a New York Times interview. Can you just sort of fill us in
1: on the background? And um, so the New York Times interviewed uh, Ambassador Friedman, and um, in this interview they're asking him about uh, you know because uh, it's all coming out because the um, President Trump's. Plan of the century or whatever it is is supposed to be it was supposed to be released after Israel formed the coalition. Well, we yeah, f- before the coalition. and then it got postponed after Ramadan. Yeah. Ramadan did end, so now it's all postponed. But they're doing an economic conference in Bahrain, um, which which is supposed to be like the the launch. The and opening what's the name of the of city? It. I had
0: never, I didn't even I recognize I it. Don't I don't it. Know can. Manama or something?
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It sounded South American. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so I, for this, there's been a lot of stuff in the news. And New York Times uh, interviewed David uh, Ambassador Friedman. And basically, in an interview, he talked about Israel's right to annex um, at least parts of the West Bank, um, and uh, that was blown into a, a, a headline – a headline that did not really reflect—I don't think—what he said. Well, actually, I, 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 I thought mean, it was a
0: particularly you know, bad example of journalism. Not yeah. not in terms of the pro-Israel anti-Israel, yeah, yeah. but in terms of the right. Let's find a nugget in what he said and blow it up to say that this is big news in a headline, right. which isn't the job of the journalist. The job of the journalist is. Here's what he said. Here's the context right. of what he meant. Which says said.
1: that Ambassador Friedman, you know, uh, says Israel has the right to annex the West Bank. I mean, you know, anytime like,
0: a news article says, and this was a really big thing that he said in the interview. Right. Wait, what? Don't tell me what's big in the interview.
1: Right. Just tell me the interview. Tell the interview and, and don't don't frame it like that. Now, of course, it is coming off of Israel's um, uh, Avira now. Mm, Right. Uh, Atmosphere. Atmosphere, which is just before the elections, Netanyahu is saying that, oh, he's going to annex the settlements in the West Bank. Not the whole West Bank, but the settlements because he's trying to get the right-wing vote, all all that stuff. Um, So, you know, it is in the air. And that has been in the air now for, I think, a year or two, this talk on the right of annexing settlements, something that Naftali Bennett pushed hard and was putting through, annexing Area C or annexing big settlements, Um, the context they were saying was how will you respond to netanyahu doing this or that and
0: his answer was essentially i don't know you know when it becomes official policy i'll react to it i'm being open-minded i don't want to prejudge whatever political moves israel takes before they take them uh you know of course they have a
1: right to annex some areas it was it was like this very sort of and they were kind of building I felt in the article, they were kind of building a conspiratorial thing. Well it fits like, oh, he's floating this out to the Palestinians to put pressure to, you know, say if they don't come to this conference, if this don't Israel Israel's gonna make more one sided moves and the Trump government is going to approve it like the move for this embassy, like and to the be fair, heights. And, to
0: be fair to that framing, there is a there is a there is a pretty reasonable narrative to say that the Trump administration is you know, siding with Israel and dis and 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 sort of uh, de- disempowering—it's the end of the year for me too. Yeah. T- t- sort of uh, dissing, for lack of a better <laughs> political term, the Palestinians by uh, making moving the capital, the American capital, to Jerusalem it, without a. Quid pro quo if, I think trying to by an, saying we recognize the annexation of the Golan. Right. By
1: so I would put it like this defunding as
0: a, various Palestinian things and cutting off Palestinian communication with the administration. So the the Times writer said, "Oh, here's another example of them putting the thumb on the scale for Bibi and the Israelis."
1: Right, I mean, I, I look at it like I think I may have read it this summer. Either it may not be mine, so I'll just say. But that you know they're kind of using the car- the carrot with Israel and the stick with the Palestinians, mm-hmm. right? Trying to get and as opposed to trying to use both with both, um, and it kind of looks that way with all those things that were remember. So yeah, I
0: think that's a pretty fair framing of you know, of the Trump policy to the Israeli Palestinian conflict. Yeah. I don't think that's an unfair characterization. I do think. F- Taking a sentence in in a, in a couple of paragraphs that he was saying about my job isn't to prejudge policy before it's announced, and turn that into a right. a strategic American you know policy change in a, in a in a whole statement about I'm not making policy decisions. Right, I thought it was I... an unfair reading of Friedman's yeah. remark. But the, this whole issue. I think highlights something that people don't really, who aren't familiar with it, don't really understand about the West Bank. And that is that it's sort of treated monolithically. There's this area of the West Bank, that area of the West Bank will become, in a two-state solution, would become an Arab state. And what they don't realize is that all, it's not a Trump administration thing. American administrations going back for the past several have agreed that there are these enormous blocks of Jewish population. By the way, the Palestinian negotiators agreed. These enormous blocks of Jewish uh, settlement would be annexed into Israel. Right. And therefore, that would reduce land. Now, the Palestinian state would be based on, a and different administrations use different language.
1: But with something the, about 5% of the land. Yeah, right. and it would be, you know,
0: two to 300,000 of the 400,000 Jews who live in the West Bank would right. then be part of Israel. And, uh, you know, it's look, whatever you do, if a two state solution is so difficult that it hasn't happened and most people don't think it can happen. But if you're talking in that language, the annexation of that territory isn't a crazy thing. If you're living in those blocks that both sides of the negotiation agreed would go with agreed upon land swaps to make up for that land. And sort of what Sharon drew is like a security line of areas that eventually would be annexed. You know, Sharon gave up on the idea of a negotiated two state solution and, and, and had his idea of unilateral disengagement. His idea was these are the areas that we were going to annex anyway. Let's just annex right. them.
1: Well, and that was the start of the, the, um, the withdrawal from Gaza in 2005 and four settlements in the in the northern western bank, west bank yeah i think um, i think
0: i think it's a good opportunity for people to understand the west bank a little bit better and that the west bank isn't monolithic not only is east jerusalem already been annexed according to the state of israel and so it's not seen by israel as jewish settlements although many governments do but the areas west of that security
1: line that Sharon said, said is the area that would be annexed to Israel anyway. So why did Palestine, I think it was Saeb Arakat um, say that uh, ambassador Friedman should be brought in front of the international criminal. Court yeah. They're for talking about bringing him up to the ICC uh, for that statement of rec- of saying Israel could legitimately annex. You want, you want West Bank? I mean, honestly. Uh, yeah, why not? Let's be honest here. Okay. It's The end of the
0: school year. We already established that. Year. What the heck? Aseer <laughs> uh, Barkat is a cynical political jerk who, instead of doing things that are constructive, is in purely reactionary mode. He thinks his job is to do anything he can to make everything look like the Israelis are terrible and the Israeli fault for the for the fact that we don't have a two state solution is all because the Israelis are horrible. That's he think. That's his job. Not to help the Palestinians, not to move anything forward for them, not to make their life better, but to convince as many people as possible that the reason everything is terrible, including Palestinians, to convince as many people as possible that the reason things are terrible for the Palestinians is because of Israel. Not as a leader... He's right. not failing as a leader. He doesn't have anything more to do. Fatah doesn't have anything more to do. Abbas doesn't have anything more. I mean, he says this explicitly. I have nothing more to do. I can put my feet up and put my hands behind my head and relax because we've done everything we could to improve lives for Palestinians. Everything else is everyone
1: else's fault. So so, I'll, so I'll say two things um, to, to add to that. One is pretty much since the Second Intifada and what I would say the end of the Oslo um, you know, period, uh, they've... Palestinians have gone back to this Green Line Mm -hmm. assertion, which means that everything to the Green Line, everything back to nineteen, you know, June first, which they don't mean nineteen sixty-seven borders. Correct, but that's their. They don't want.
0: They don't want four hundred thousand Jewish citizens. Well,
1: they want them out of there.
0: Yeah, and, but realistically... I mean, but let's say, I mean, yeah. but that's
1: the, that's their claim. Rhetorically, it's the, easier to talk about the green, the green Line. Their claim is the Green Line in well, Jerusalem also. They, also that, oh, that's, they indicate the 48 lines right. also. That's yeah. true, too. But I'm saying, but that's the... Right? So anything yeah. over that. That's one. Number two is, it. I, I would say there are some optics that play to their side mm-hmm. here. Sure. Well, uh, not only the decisions that have been made by the Trump administration, but the main people in the Trump administration who are involved in... Creating the peace plan and um, mm-hmm. trying to uh, negotiate, which are um, three three men, uh, right? Ambassador Friedman, Jason Greenblatt, and Jared Kushner, who are all associated with the uh, Orthodox um, religious Zionist world. All I mean, who've had connections with settlements. They are Orthodox yeah. Jews, yeah. And uh, have connections, but even theolo- not just yeah. theologically, but politically Um, On the same right, because that's a and all have had connections with you know settlements in particular. Ambassador Friedman himself was, I think, the chairman of the Friends of bait Mm L, and uh, so that those are not great optics Uh, if you're looking from a side of like a uh, a fair. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Sayyid Barakat right? is in the so, optics
0: business. So right. anything he has that he can use as optics, that's it. Exactly. He feels his job. And to be fair, I think the Israelis also, to a certain extent, play that same game. In other words, BB also doesn't want to change the status quo and create right. a Palestinian state in the West Bank. And so he also plays the optics game, which is part of what you do in politics. But BB also like him and don't like him, also goes around and does diplomacy around the world and makes sure that, you know, Israeli businesses can make inroads into countries around the world. Like he's also doing things to move Israel forward and Israeli life gets better by, you know, things that the Israeli mm-hmm. government does. What Sae Barakat, that's fair. If you want to use those optics to try to make Israel look bad, to put pressure on them, that's fine. Do not put your feet up. Are you eliminating corruption in your country? Are you making sure that the infrastructure is improving? Are you going to elections and making sure you have a reasonable claim to want people's votes? Are you, you know, what are you doing aside from playing the optics game? And I I think that's ultimately the tragedy of of Sayyid Arakat and his his gang of kleptocrats. So
1: so I think, I'd like to just bring up something that happened last night that um, just shows how complicated this whole issue is, really. Um, the Israeli uh, uh, forces were going into Shchem, known as Nablus also, um, to do an operation and came upon a group of Palestinian police security forces and wrongly identified, the Israelis wrongly identified the the Palestinians and thought they were um, combatants and started shooting on it. A firefight broke out between Palestinians and Israelis, security forces. One Who normally was cooperate hurt. quite a bit. No, they are. They do cooperate. Yeah. It was just it was a mistake. It was yeah. a, It was a clear mistake uh, by the Israeli. It's an army. odd form of friendly fire, but um, it is friendly fire. Uh. And, yeah, exactly. And so, at, first of all, it is. I think the opposite is that this doesn't happen more. It's yeah. is, is probably amazing. Um, shows you how much cooperation there is. Um, but it did happen, but I think it's also um, was addressed immediately and, you know, hopefully will not spark into anything more. It doesn't seem like it's going to spark into anything more, which also shows an amazing amount of cooperation. So when you have on this rhetoric, optic level that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. um, uh, tremendous, um, I think, contention and uh, and conflict in many different ways, conflict of words, um, and threats of annexation. That's so on that side. You have one on the ground. Some some very serious cooperation that's happening, um, even in very difficult times. The it's, status quo, like, the,
0: the status quo is a very tricky, difficult, problematic status quo in the West Bank. And Israelis have a choice. If you want Israel to be a Jewish democracy in our ancient homeland, if we annex the West Bank and give all the people citizenship, you'll have a democracy in the ancient homeland that won't be particularly Jewish because right. you'll have so many Arabs. You'll have almost half the population will be Arab. If you annex it and don't give them citizenship, then you'll have a Jewish country in the ancient homeland, but it won't really be a democracy. It'll be apartheid because you'll be treating people legally differently based on ethnicity. And if we leave the West Bank, or at least most of it, then we'll be a Jewish democracy that has abandoned the heart of the ancient homeland. Mm -hmm. And so what Israelis generally sort of agree on at this point is we're just going to live with this status Mm -hmm. quo, which is awkward. And difficult. I, by the way, well, I know yeah. this is a, a pet issue of the right, and you know, and and BB is trying to deal with uh, Bennett by saying, "Oh, let's annex." I think this should be a cause for the left. Let's annex the blocks,
1: right, and make everybody and make everybody, everybody there Israeli.
0: And now, what do you want to do with the rest of it? It's all right. Arab, or it's mostly Arab. Right. You want to annex that? You want to add Arabs? No. Now let's talk about. De-Israelizing those right. areas. I think this should be a, a hot issue on the left. Sort of, it's a, a little bit so of a like play, what's the what's the martial art where you sort of, yeah I'm playing chess and I'm sort of so like, like using like, my enemy's momentum against the, him. Yeah. If you want to annex it, let's or, support or, or it. Call call the bluff.
1: Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I think that Naftali Bennett and those who are talking about this annexing Area C, which is the mostly where the the ninety eight
0: percent of Palestinians are
1: Arabs. The, yeah. No,
0: Area C. Oh no, Area A yeah. and
1: B. Yeah, and ninety-eight percent of where Jews live, right, or uh, something like that, is a vast. I think seventy-five percent, but is a vast majority of uh, um, where Jews live. Um, but it's a huge part, chunk of the of the of the ter- of the West Bank, but or at least even these settlement blocks. If you go to much smaller these settlement blocks, it's trying to break the paradigm a little bit. In other words, it, that that break the status quo, right. That that's really the the talk is trying to break the status quo because now we've been stuck in the status quo for you know 20 years you could say since the last since real the agreement 97 Vaisla, yeah. 98 was the last we were in the Y agreements we really haven't moved past that um, and so. The idea is to come up with some kind of idea that's going to break the status quo a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what actually Trump's trying to do with his, you know, carrot to the Israelis and stick to the Palestinians is to try and break the status quo.
0: Well, it's also, you know? it's also the idea is to get the region involved in changing the dynamic yeah, correct. and adding economic incentive seems to right. be a big thing. That if, if you make people's lives better, then we can create a political conversation that's less toxic than if the, yeah. there isn't really economic opportunity.
1: But, it, yeah, but it, I mean, I actually, I mean, and that's, that's the carrot that they're starting that's the to case. wave, that they're starting to wave in front of the Palestinians is, yeah. the, is economic opportunity. Yeah. But, uh, you know, their claim, which I, I hear, you know, I feel like, I feel in my bones also, you, you're, you're trying to buy us off from our our, our homeland. You're trying to buy us off what you think, giving us a bigger bank account is going to help us give up on what, you know, our homeland
0: well, you know, I do that's... think it's a persuasive argument. I do think people do consider their personal lives and their day-to-day lives pretty seriously as a priority. Correct. I also always do that exercise in my head. In other words, if somebody said to me, "Well, you could stay under British mandate rule and you'll make more money," I would say, "No, I want an independent country that's ru- that's a Jewish right. country."
1: I mean, let's put it. Let's put it honestly, you've pr- you've probably you know downgraded your economic situation since making Aliyah.
0: I mean, there's nothing probably about it. <laughs> you know, it's one of the weird American aliyah. a very strange phenomenon of people who
1: are shrinking
0: their economic opportunity. Yeah,
1: you chose ideology over that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That and basic it, economics. Yeah, and and it's more complicated in the Palestinian world because it's not just ideology; it's culture. In other words, to I was talking to somebody who in the states is involved, lives in New York, and he 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 was trying to work on one of these, um economic and social meeting groups between Arabs and Jews in particular to create new economic opportunities where Israeli businesses, sort of seed money for Israeli businesses to work with Palestinians to make more money. And he, they, it took them months to find a Palestinian Arab in the States who would be willing to join their board. right? Because culturally, you know, he has relatives still in the West Bank and right. Gaza. Like he couldn't, they couldn't find people, you know, and he was willing to say, well, I I think I can convince them that I'm looking out for their benefit, and I'm not betraying them. Right. So it's more, there's issues of honor, there's issues of culture, there's issues of identity that make it all, you know... On both sides. On both sides. That, That common sense solutions that people on the outside say, well, why don't you just do this? Well, when's the last time you saw two friends having a fight? And you said, "Well, the solution is obvious. Here's the solution." And both friends said, immediately turned and said, "Oh, we're so silly. Let's not fight anymore. Yeah. It's more complicated than that." And and sometimes we're couples, <laughs> a couple, yeah, any couple. Like once you're in that, so the perceptions become the reality in a way that adds a level of toxicity that one way or another has to be resolved. You can't paper over that with practical solutions and pretend that those psychological factors don't matter. Yeah. So the West Bank is is, a, is very much an entrenched problem. I don't think the New York Times is being very helpful by turning Ambassador Friedman's line into like this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought I, his I,
0: language was was genuinely an attempt to be diplomatic and cautious, and they turned it into a weird policy swipe.
1: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I mean, I, because it goes against I think the you know that that always the Mati Friedman articles in my mind of what the press. As as their as their playbook mm-hmm. and their playbook is a oh, two state solution, no unilateral moves. Israel has no rights in the West Bank and no annexation, all those kinds of things. And Israel is the powerful and, actor. And our, so it has exactly. bears
0: responsibility. The Palestinians are the weak right. actor. They have no responsibility.
1: Right. So the moment they back as well, we'll have to we, there's not this knee jerk. No, well, that will we will protest. But rather, oh, we'll have to think about it when it happens. Right.
0: He didn't speak in in you know? the in the way that that narrative says he should, which is to right. say, of course not. We stand right. on the policy that they have right. no rights whatsoever in the West But he was like, I don't know. Let's see. Let's keep open minded, and that was portrayed as a uh, negative. Yeah, it's very complicated. You know, that should be on every political conversation. That should be sort of the slogan. It it genuinely is very complicated.
1: Yeah. Well. Had, you had you had my security. advice you had my yeah. advice
0: not only to sa'id barakat but in this episode you had my advice to the entire israeli left support yeah. support the annexation of israeli blocks as a sort of judo backflip on yeah. the right call call the right's bluff yeah call it i don't i don't understand why they don't they don't but i think it's it's an issue i think we have a deeper issue in 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 the politi- in democracies in general which is something we were talking about before we were recording which is that politics has become the art of division. And I think it should be in a democracy. It should be the art of addition. How do I persuade? Mo- How do I find consensus that I can join so that our agendas can overlap so we can get more done? It's become, for the most part, I have an identity. I'm calling it out. That will bring my voters to me, and that will get me voted in. And if we get nothing done,
1: at least we have. I have an excuse
0: to a tribal rallying cry. Well,
1: well maybe uh, things will change over the summer
0: that's it I think everyone needs to I feel like everyone's like teachers we've spent 10 months really yeah. gearing up and now that we relax the solutions will present themselves exactly let's all just chill out so uh, go to the beach <laughs> if everyone just went to the beach yeah. all our problems. why can't everyone just get along uh, so looking for a summer that is productive and meaningful as well as relaxing and rejuvenating there's always a lot more to do Uh, we will have episodes all through the summer, God willing, God willing, even we're going to work around vacations and find different ways to do that. But we're here keeping you connected to what's going on in Israel and topics that we think are important.
1: I would love to hear from you what topics you'd like to hear. Let us know. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike.
0: Thank you, Ben. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, This is the part where I remind you that we are the J.U. Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys.